0: In this episode of The Bell Tale, The Wolf Tones. The veteran Republican balladeers have been back in the news. They may not be popular amongst politicians, journalists and commentators, or for that matter, music critics. But they packed out the big tent at Electric Picnic, with thousands gathered outside trying to get in. If you see the photographs of it, the tent is rammed and then there's huge crowds all around the tent. And they're set to fill the Three Arena in Dublin and Belfast's Waterfront Hall.
2: After breaking attendance records at electric picnic last weekend, the Wolf Tones are to mark six decades together with an anniversary gig in Dublin next year.
0: Despite the outrage over their lyrics and pro-Republican views, they seem to be getting even more popular, especially amongst young people. Why is that? Why do some find them so unacceptable? And of course, are they any good? To help me navigate those questions, I'm joined by John Marr. He's a music journalist with the Irish Independent, and Sarah Carey, who's a columnist with the Irish Independent. They join me in the studio, and I also had the chance to speak to Brian Warfield from the Wolf Tones. From your own point of view, what are the Wolf Tones all about?
2: We started off in the the early 60s, and I was in love with folk music, to be honest. And I was a big fan of Pete Seeger, and uh, American folk music was probably the first introduction I had to uh, folk music. I've heard a lot of the songs in our families. We regard them as kind of family songs rather than folk songs. You know, Pete Seeger was very much a protest singer at the time. Folk music,
0: Brian, as you said, there's a lot of protest in it. But there's also a lot of peace and love. There's often a very anti-war message. But a lot of the the songs, the Wolf Tones, are certainly well known for, involve at least the commemoration of conflict.
2: We have sung about every aspect of Ireland. And uh, even up to today, um, I wrote a song, uh, uh, words to a song, uh, which was written by Giuseppe Verdi, uh, Called, uh, called the Song of Liberty or the the March of the Hebrew Slaves and I put words to it for peace and love in the world and for peace and love in Ireland. Somehow they neglect that part of the wolf tones and it's not my fault.
0: Well a song that's, that the wolf tones are very well known for, and that's the Celtic Symphony and it contains you know what has become perhaps unfortunately your best known lyric U-a Up The Ra I mean you have better songs than that, surely.
2: Well, that's a great song. I'm, I'm not ashamed of that song. I think that song is... Um, it tells a story for what I tried to do. It's a story of Glasgow Celtic and how they feel. It's all euphemisms. I did it as a bit of fun when I was walking through Glasgow Celtic and I saw that, uh, that graffiti and I put it into the song because that's what Glasgow Celtic was about. They had supported... The people of Ireland and their long struggle for civil rights, for equal rights, and against the horrible regime that they were suffering since the partition of our state.
0: Some people, they would say that that lyric itself doesn't help the cause of a united Ireland. How would you, how would you respond to that?
2: I, I believe it doesn't hinder it because like, I think if people get to know the song, it's only a, a refrain within it. It's only one word within it. And I don't think you know. We I, we have a lot of uh, supporters of the north, young Protestant people who were uh, who were seeing both sides of the communities, and they they regard that as a, a good and nice song. Young people are, are of Ireland are very intelligent and they are very well educated, and they understand both are both our communities. I remember going back to the the early sixties. I was singing in golf clubs. I was singing in tennis clubs and billiard halls and for all kinds of causes, both for Catholic and for Protestant people. But that all came to an end, I think, with the civil rights movement, because, you know, I think the, the unionist community in the, in, in the north of Ireland didn't want to uh, take on civil rights for uh, everybody in the north of Ireland. So that was a shame. And it wasn't my fault. The Ballad Singer is only a reflection of what happens. We're not the cause.
0: But you do reflect, I suppose, um, especially as uh, what people would describe as Ireland's struggle for freedom, that within that context, there were many massacres, there were many atrocities, there were many horrific errors. Can you see where some people are coming from if they think there's a glorification of the excesses of political violence?
2: Well, I I don't think if you ask anybody there was that was at Electric Picnic and there were all young people there, that uh, they would have that opinion. And uh, I'd say none of them would have that opinion. Never underestimate the intelligence of our young people. And I'm certainly going to not going to start now. I think they can understand the song is a song, and I think I don't think they feel they're glorifying anything because violence is nothing to glorify. And I can tell you something. You know, when when they go out and uh, uh, singing about the first world war with all the pomp and ceremony that goes around it people forced to wear poppies on television people forced to wear poppies everywhere you can't go anywhere if you don't wear a poppy you know what kind of regime is that and i'm not going to be told i must wear a a a a a poppy in their memory because i go out and remember them at their grave and put a flower down and, and anything else it's a different thing than being forced we The Wolf Tones don't force anybody to go to a show. They go voluntarily. If they like the Wolf Tones, they go to the show. If they don't like the Wolf Tones, please some come. If you don't like unless you want to figure out what's going on. But I don't want you there if you don't like it.
0: Well, well, they are coming and they did come. And I suppose we're back talking about the Wolf Tones because of that extraordinary footage from Electric Picnic. You filled the tent. You could have filled it three times over. Were you surprised by that c- crowd, or did you? Would you have known that that was the sort of turnout that you were going to attract?
2: Well, we knew we were very popular, but we were really humbled by the fact that uh, so many people came along, and the noise was so loud uh, sing, uh, as they sang along the songs. Not just alone. Uh, well, not just talking about uh, Celtic Symphony. We're talking about the other songs that the Wolf Tones sing. And people are neglecting that fact that it was like there was uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 70 songs. So, I mean, I have they neglected to say, are, are, are their ears closed to the other messages that the Wolf Tones are giving?
0: Brian Warfield from the Wolf Tones, thank you very much. Sarah Kerry, John Mar, you're both very welcome to the Belltale. John, you know, there's a question written in my notes Who are the Wolf Tones? But you know what? I know that's a silly question. Everyone in Ireland effectively knows who they are.
1: Uh, They've been, they're a
0: folk group, a Republican folk group. They've been going since the 60s, but they're back in the news now.
1: They are. I mean, they've had extraordinary longevity. They started in 1963. So around the time that the Beatles were kind of, you know, making significant albums. And arguably, they've never been more popular than now, which is quite extraordinary. And, you know, tickets go on sale this morning for a headline show at a three arena, 14,000 people. If you'd said this to me five or six years ago, I would have thought, what planet have I just alighted on? This is so impossible to comprehend that a band like that could command that kind of audience and not just that size of audience, but the age profile. Because 90% of the people, that will go to the Three Arena in Dublin to see the Wolf Tones will be in their 20s. And they will be singing lustily to every single song on the night.
0: Now, Sarah, we're talking about the Wolf Tones today because of extraordinary scenes uh, taken from a drone at Electric Picnic. Now, you were at the scene.
3: Yeah. What I went, happened? So I went to Electric Picnic. I had been given a ticket by the minefield people as a journalist. So I hadn't gone with any big agenda, didn't even really have a clear idea of who was playing. And suddenly in the middle of the afternoon, beautiful sunny afternoon down in Stradbally, Valley, the whole crowd started moving in this one direction. It was an extraordinary sense of atmosphere of a, a destination that I had been headed for. And I said, and where are you going? And they said, oh, with the Wolf Tones. So I said, oh, so got to go see this. And it was unbelievable. It was like the second tier stage that they were playing in this huge, big tent. 10,000 people fit inside the tent, and I would say there was at least double that outside, if not more. And there was very much a sense as the set continued and as the songs were being played, that there was almost a sense of impatience, that they were waiting for a moment. And then when the moment came, when the song started, this Celtic symphony song, you could feel the buzz rising. And then when it came to the refrain, ooh, ah, up the rah, they all... Uh, weighed in. I've got some footage of it. And I was... I mean, I knew it was coming and it was still an unbelievable shock to me that people were doing this. Ooh, ah, up the rat. And I thought, what other terrorist group could you do this for anywhere in the world? We say that. Hmm. I
0: am not aware of the Algerian folk sing. Uh That's the truth.
3: <laughs> True, yes. But, uh, I, in fairness. But, yeah. I'm, but I, I yeah.
0: strongly suspect when they sing songs about the French that they don't question themselves and they don't don't beat themselves up over it. I don't
3: know either so maybe we should park maybe that angle off the conversation and instead ask why uh, do young people uh, and it's not just young people obviously there's a constituency for this you know do feel that it's okay to sing Ua Up The Ra and why is there no shame because there was shame you know and electorally speaking as you know all your listeners know Sinn Féin was completely rejected by uh, the people of Northern Ireland, the IRA never had support in the Northern Ireland, except for a tiny little constituency. It was only post-ceasefire, you know, that Sinn Féin began to be electorally successful. Um, so where has that shame gone? And I think that's the question that we need to be asking, that all those, you know, vile acts, you know, that were committed from Warrington onwards, we know the roll call of atrocities, that there is no shame attached to those and that somehow there's a sense of legitimacy about them. It's, it's very confusing.
1: I, I think there is a different aspect at play here. Yes, ooh uh, up the ra technically means ooh, uh, up the IRA, but I think the vast majority of people singing that are not supporting the IRA or thinking about the IRA. What it is to me is an anti-establishment rallying call. There are young people today that are furious. With the Ireland they find themselves in, north and south of the border. And Sarah, you make the point about Sinn Féin in the south having virtually no representation in the Dáil. There's a very strong chance that they will lead the next government the way everything is going. You can see the poll figures in among 20-somethings in the Republic. There's a very strong level of support for Sinn Féin. Um, I think they're fed up with the Ireland they find themselves in. They're looking for for answers elsewhere, and Ua Up Ra is a line to me that's anti Finnegale, it's anti Fáil, it's anti Greens, it's anti the Ireland that in the in the South that we've had for more than ten years. And if you're a young person today, it is virtually impossible to rent somewhere. It's virtually impossible to buy somewhere. You are looking at going abroad because the standard of living is so low for you. And I think a lot of them see the culprits of that sitting in government in the Dáil in Dublin right now. And they see a solution in Sinn Féin. And because people like Bertie Ahern have come out and been appalled by the idea of ua up the ra, they're saying, well, this is us bloodying your nose. Yes. I, I really think that's that's what's happening. I,
3: I agree with you on your analysis. I think that's exactly the sentiment that they do have. But I still don't understand why it seems okay to latch on to the IRA as the vehicle for that rage. You know, so you can be anti-establishment. All your, everything you mentioned, that list of, you know, um, grievances about housing or whatever are all absolutely fair and true. But if you are Colin Parry, the father of Tim Parry, who was 12 years old and was blown to bits in that bomb in Warrington, what on earth are you supposed to think?
0: You heard Brian Warfield earlier and he said, well, you know, we're a folk band. We sing historic folk songs about Ireland's fight for freedom. We don't seek to glorify violence and we aren't responsible for violence. He also said, he also said, in fairness, he said, this is one lyric uh, uh, and it's part. He gave the context of that lyric. You accept it or accept it not. But I wonder if we look at maybe the other 17 songs. Like, let's look at it. You know, come out, your black and tans, come out and fight me like a man. If the establishment won't sing it, the the wolf tones will. I mean, so are we really saying that the majority of people in Ireland reject historically the fight against the Black and Tans?
3: Right, so what you're doing there is making an equivalence between the historic fight for independence versus the modern IRA campaign, which is something that, you know, Republicans and Sinn Féin have always done and have done successfully as far as I can see. Now... Personally, I have always utterly rejected all violence in the name of independence from 1916 on. I don't think any of it was worth a single life. That's my personal position. I accept that's not shared by an awful lot of people in this
1: country. Including the government, though, as well, because you look at the commemorations that they go to Mm -hmm. and that they honour. I mean, all of them are there. And that's
3: why I think, actually, they made a big strategic mistake. And that's why I think the centenary um, events since 2016 that I don't think enough was read into this and that how glorifying violence as our foundation myth would then feed into a justification for the modern IRA campaign. Now, the straight answer is, it's a two word answer, uh, democratic legitimacy. So up until the treaty split, um, the War of Independence had democratic legitimacy, you know, the Sinn Féin TDs that were elected then had support for the treaty and the election after the treaty, you know, elected a government. But once you got to the treaty, there was no democratic legitimacy after that. Even if you put the civil war to bed, then you're still into the modern IRA campaign. And that's where, as I said, the IRA was always completely and utterly rejected by the people of Northern Ireland, by the people who had to live through it. And that's why it's a mistake to try and create an equivalency and say, well, if you supported Michael Collins in 1918, sure isn't it just the same?
0: In a sense, we are going down a, a, a bow ring here and this is a separate podcast perhaps but i mean it is all relevant and i, I was simply making the point that, that you know that
1: we are we are focusing on one lyric there was one uh, video that really struck me and that was grace and this was a song that i loved as a kid the story of grace gifford and and joseph plunkett and and their romance and i do like the song and i was quite moved by the fact that the camera pans into the audience, and you've got these people in their 20s, early 20s, late teens, singing the song back word for word. And I liked that. I I don't rate the Wolf Tones as a musical entity at all, it has to be said. But there was something about that that appealed to me. And I think a lot of their songs don't look at the modern day, troubles at all they they hark back to a very different time and i do think it gives people the opportunity to express very considerable pride in their irishness that i didn't have in my 20s and i think there has been a, a change
3: yeah well well the reason there was that was because of the violence i mean that's yeah, just possibly. one of the things yeah i think i, th- that, I think that, yeah possibly, and that's just yeah. one of the things that the ira did and for instance taken the tricolour you know, and appropriating a lot of our mythology. But
0: I do think there's 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 a point that you've mentioned, John, that I would like to tackle, and that is the music. We're talking about a band here, <laughs> and you don't like the music, and and you've said that. But again, uh, again they seem to be able to capture an audience which
1: sings along to their songs uh, they engage people Kieran, let let's be very clear here that Wolf Tones are a pub band that got lucky I, I, one of the things that really inflamed me in the wake of Electric Picnic was not so much the controversy around the singing but some people on social media suggesting that this is a sign that Ireland has this incredible folk music tradition and they were mentioning bands like Lancome and Ye Vagabonds can contemporary, brilliant folk acts and putting the Wolf Tones in the same bracket. That's outrageous. The Wolf Tones came of age initially when great bands like the Chieftains and the Dubliners were initially playing their trade. They're not in the same league as that. And Kiran, what you mentioned about simple delivery, simple songs, that is true. They deliver them with a certain amount of aplomb. They're very easy to sing back to. I don't really have a note in my head but I would probably be singing back to a number of the songs if you're in that communal environment. So for the 10,000 and more that were at the Electric Arena, at Electric Picnic, it was being together Mm. and singing in unison. That counts. It's very interesting you speak about this communal experience because the Wolf
0: Tones, from my point of view, never really attracted a hardcore Republican crowd. That is, people involved in Republicanism. They never attracted people involved heavily in, in, in you know cultural activities, and certainly not people involved in Irish tradition, traditional music. But you know, it's somehow, it's that communal.
1: Thing. Well, it is. It's just singing these folk songs, these, these rebel songs. And uh, I just want to make a point that I found fascinating. When I wrote a lengthy piece for the Indo back in April when it was announced that the Wolf Tones would be playing Electric Picnic. And I spoke to Paddy Cullivan, the musician. He had been in the Late Late House band and he has his uh, Wolf Tone one-man stage play. And he made a very interesting point to me. He said it's a sign of how safe so much of contemporary music is that a bunch of septagenarians from Inchicore in Dublin are causing this much outrage there are very few examples today where you can do that the wolf tones allows you to do that because most of the commentary that about how awful this is is from older people it's from it's from I hate to use this word, but it's from boomers. It's from people in their 50s and 60s who are saying, you know, how dare they? We remember the atrocities, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think there is an element of kids going to hell with you. And also one other point, Joe Duffy, I have a lot of respect for Joe, a fine broadcaster. He is a, of that boomer generation as well. And he went to war against the war fields. And again, it's a bit like the and effect. You know, it's it's kind of, it's putting it into the arena again. And you've got a lot of people going, well, Joe Duffy doesn't speak for me. I have my own view. I'm going to think for myself. Something I want to get to, and it's a word you've said yourself, Sarah, the establishment. Mm-hmm. Now, you are... Uh,
3: I'll okay. own it. I'll own it. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, so I, I, I don't need to qualify. <laughs> Thanks
0: for yeah, helping yeah, okay, me out there. You've dug me out there. <laughs> okay. Irish independent. So, I mean... <laughs> In a sense, in one sense, it was, you know, are your columns and people of like mind are effectively promoting the wolf tones? And also, I mean, are you concerned about what your preaching doesn't seem to be working here?
3: So first of all, uh, so the tactical criticism. So by criticising that you're actually helping to fuel it. Okay. I reject that for two reasons. First of all, there's a moral imperative. And second of all, there's a teachable moment. The reason it's older people who are reacting with most horror to this is not necessarily because we're old in establishment. It's because we remember. I remember it all so clearly. I remember Tom Oliver. You know, I remember Joanne Matters. I remember all these, you know, terrible atrocities. So we have that very visible memory, whereas for anybody, say, under 40, it's an abstract um, memory. You know, it doesn't have the same emotional impact. Secondly, on the teachable moment, if there was any other situation in which younger people were saying something that was being cruel to victims, nobody would say, listen, you're better off saying nothing because the more you say it, they'll only want to do it more. So I believe there's an absolute moral imperative to intervene and explain to them. And even in the last few days, talking to my sons who are teenagers or my 12-year-old, I was explaining to my 12-year-old last night what a proxy bomb is and how the IRA invented that. You know, like so, you use this as an opportunity to tell them what actually happened and what was done to this country, and I do think that's very important. I understand how it backfires, John. Yeah, you're completely right. Like I really do, but I just think Marley can't.
1: Let's not forget how the Wolf Tones became so popular again, and we have to acknowledge Steve Coogan's role in yes. this, because of course that's largely where
2: it was. Ironic. It began. It was.
1: Like Most people would have seen the episode of Alan Partridge now. It's exceptionally funny. Uh, it, it caused a lot of uh, irritation in Britain and in parts of Ireland as well. But after that, people started singing it and there were so many examples. We know the Irish women's football team and qualifying for the World Cup. There was all kinds of issues there. You know, there were, there were rugby players singing it. it. It was played for a while at uh, after a Leinster match before it was quickly taken off the Tannoy. Uh, we we saw the viral videos from Dublin Airport as well. So there's a sense that it got a huge amount of exposure. But, uh, you know, Steve Coogan does have a lot to answer for here, I but, think. But the you point
3: know. is that that was supposed to be an ironic satire. Yeah. And, and yet now it's turned into this thing. So is, it has, but
1: we're in the social media age where these things just take on a life of their yeah. own. I don't think... We're going
0: to. Uh, I don't think. I don't think anyone listening is going to agree on the politics. And I mean, I, I, and and of course, uh, you know, uh, certainly we're not going to have anybody on uh, defending violence. But of course, everyone who listens to this podcast will say in response to it on Twitter. Well, let's not forget, you know, that there were many perpetrators of violence in the Yeah but no one's singing songs
3: about those Kieran. Oh they are. Uh, Oh they are. Sorry Sorry, but not at Electric Picnic but say when it comes to July and you know we see those bonfires and things you know around the 12th like people here are absolutely horrified by that so there's no sense of the IRA being singled out for condemnation it's all wrong and no one should glorify any of it. Uh, uh, uh,
0: I have to ask a final question Uh, you mentioned Electric Picnic last question has to be about Electric Picnic After all of this, after all of the discussion, are the Wolf Tones actually heading for the big stage next year?
1: They may well be. I mean, you know, concert promoters have their finger on the pulse and the smart money says, you know, first of all, Electric Picnic for next year has sold out, sold out very quickly um, already. And I think there's a clamour for that. I think we'll leave it there. Sarah Carey, John Marr,
0: thanks very much. My thanks to John Marr and to Sarah Kerry and of course to Brian Warfield from the Wolf Tones I'm Kieran Dunbar and today's episode was produced by Dee Reddy and Tabitha Monaghan it was researched by Dave of Hanratty and the sound was by Gavin Hennessy the archive clips you heard were from the Irish Independent RTE and the Wolf Tones